This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. Good morning, everybody. I'm Simi Sarah. We are kicking off our CKNW 75th anniversary special on the Simi Sarah Show. We are going to have a great show for you today. We've got some of the most memorable personalities in store for you. And I have to say hello to Gord McDonald, who's over there from the uh, newsroom. Hi, Gord. Do you know how many people have stopped me this morning and said, is that Gord McDonald? <laughs> yes. In person, that's Gord McDonald right there, everybody. Give Gord a big wave. Yeah, give him a round of applause. The one, the only, the legendary Gord McDonald. Thank you very much. A face, a face for radio. <laughs> yeah, I know. Maybe they don't believe it. They're like, is that Gord McDonald? No, they're excited to see you. Gord is here with us. Gord, it's so nice to be able to see you when I'm working. Yes, yes. Uh, 75 years young. That's true. How long have you been here, by the way? Uh, 30 years full-time, three years part-time. So by CKNW standards, I'm kind of a mid-level guy. (laughs) You know, a little later on our show today, we are going to be having a chat with uh, Jennifer Burke, who used to be, of course, Jennifer Mather when she worked here. I'm sure everybody out there remembers Jennifer Mather. She had a show on NW, and I was talking to her. I I know you do, because you know what she told me? She said when she first started at NW, she goes, I think Gord McDonald and I started at around the same time, she said. She was reading news on Rock 101. Yeah. And I said, wait a minute, are you telling me that we didn't, like, Gord didn't come with the station when the station started? Because that's what I thought. He's always been here. Uh, So, yes, Gord, we've got some great stories about you, too, as well, coming up (laughs) on the show today. Uh, We've got such great stuff to talk about. There's legendary voices that are associated with CKNW. And, in fact, one of the most memorable is this one. Frosty the Showman will help you along the way. With Pal Big Al and the news with Pal, they will get you through the day. I love that. That was, of course, the Frosty Forest Show. Our next guest, therefore, need no real introduction, but I'm going to do it anyway. We have joining us now is Brian, yes, Frosty Forest, our former CKNW broadcaster. He spent 40 years on the air here at the station as the highest rated radio personality in Western Canada. Good morning, Brian. Well, this is the time of day I'm usually doing my Kegels, so if I have to run after five minutes, you, you'll understand. <laughs> well, and we appreciate you taking a break. <laughs> we appreciate you taking a break from your Kegels. Pleased to be here with two XBC TV weathermen. I understand they're joining me today. They are. We have with us Norm Groman, of course, also from the Frosty Forest Show. Good morning, Norm. Good morning, everybody. Frosty, hi, how are you? Norm, I didn't think you were still alive. <laughs> I used to listen to Norm when I drove around with my dad in the car. I was about five years old. Yes. He was doing, uh, um, what was it called? Hallucinations P. Davis and... Oh, just for fun. Just for fun. Some Those things the don't old change. Days. My goodness. Yeah. My goodness. Some things really don't change. Gentlemen, we also have with us here in studio at the Anvil Center in New Westminster, we also have Wayne Cox with us. Good morning, Wayne. Hi, Simi. I am humbled to be included with these two giants <laughs> of the so broadcast I. world. So am well, I. You should be. <laughs> <laughs> now, Think, things never change. No, they don't. No, That's no. what I was listening to. Now, Brian, a can you tell us a little... shirt up in the rafters <laughs> no of DC shirt. TV uh, to honor Wayne Cox. And if you look at the label and the collar, it's got my name on it. He stole all my <laughs> Hawaiian shirts. <laughs> I, I stole your gig right from under your nose. Eh? <laughs> 
Well, let's not get into that right now, shall we? I feel like that's uh, best left off the air for all that kind of talk. But Brian, let's talk about when you started here at CKNW. Like, what was that like? Did you have an idea of what you wanted your show to be like at that time? Are you talking to me? Yeah, I'm talking to you. Um, I had, uh, I actually, it was Norm Groman, the troublemaker, who left CKNW because they wouldn't give him a five-day work week, and uh, they hired me. It was going on at the same time. I was doing rock and roll across, across town at the uh, at Sea Fun in those days, and um, Norm left, and there was a big gap in the programming. And Hal Davis, a fellow whose name I haven't heard mentioned today, was one of the originators of the NW Sound. Um, figured that he'd take a chance on me. I was the only kid in uh, the old the old boys' radio station, I guess, and he took a big chance because I was considerably younger than everybody else, the rock and roll guy, and uh, he had me come in. And then he said, if you stick around and do the afternoon where Norm was for three or four years as Bob Hutton, the morning guy, is going to be leaving, he's told us when he's leaving, then you will get the morning show, so don't get antsy, and, and uh, that, that's the goal that we have in mind for you. So then away we went. Now, Norm, what was it like to try to keep up with someone like Brian? <laughs> well, it was, uh, it was nothing but fun and uh, enjoyment, solid fun and solid enjoyment. Um, Brian was very dedicated. He worked hard on his show. He, did, he always, was always prepared. He always knew where he was going and what he wanted to do. He was a great director. And the participation that I had with him uh, in the morning, we would do uh, a little comedy routine, which he would choreograph, and then I would do about a one or one and a half minute weather forecast, and that was on a daily basis right after the 7.30 news. And um, Brian was definitely the uh, the director. He... Uh, he he actually you know he worked hard uh, on his show and he choreographed the whole thing so if it was successful it's entirely due to him well andre the like- had a lot to do with it well yeah there were guys uh, like that uh, i have the ability to you know, i was i loved uh, doing voices so we had a cast of characters you know but it was sort of like almost like the replay of an old radio show like the Jack Benny show, Jack Benny would say, gee, I, I think I'll go for a stroll. And Dolph, he would stroll down Hollywood Boulevard, and he would meet uh, all kinds of different people. And that's what uh, Brian did yeah. on his morning show, uh, especially in that little segment uh, that we had. You know, right, one now thing I, have to bring Wayne, I have to bring Wayne into this here too, Wayne, because like you've also had a pretty varied career, but your time at CKNW, especially working with these two gentlemen right mm-hmm. here, what was that like? Well, actually, I missed Norm. Uh, Norm had already left, and uh, but Brian was there, and uh, I was only, gosh, 21, 22 years <laughs> 11. old. 11. So, <laughs> so these when, age jokes. When Brian, no, when Brian talks about being a young guy being brought in, when he was brought in, mm-hmm. I was... And I, I had to keep pinching myself because I was surrounded by guys like Bob Hutton and Jack Webster, uh, Bill Hughes. That's also scary Wayne stuff, Cox right? trying to replace uh, Jack, Jack Kyle. Kyle. Yeah. Well, I wasn't trying. That came as well, a big I, surprise you know I mean. to me. 
Uh, yeah. I, so, yeah, Jack Kyle was yeah. right there in the middle. And there was, of course, Jack Cullen and Jerry Davies. was, on, And I kept pinching myself saying, what am I doing here? You know, this is these guys are, are giants. And <coughs> it, was, it was tough to just try and keep up. I would imagine it's tough for me to keep up, and I'm just trying to have everybody on the show as a guest. And, and the <laughs> one thing, one thing, Brian, uh, I wonder if he's got one of these in his pocket. Nail because clippers? I, I have had one since I worked at CKNW, thanks to Brian Forrest. Uh, Brian, have you still got your nail clippers? Absolutely. How did Simi Sarah know about that? He's holding them in his hand. I'm he's holding it up in my hand. Oh! Why? What's the story? Well, as far as I remember, you had these nail clippers when you quit smoking. Is that right? That's right. You had to do something with your hands. And so he would sit there and, you know, just fiddle around with the nail clippers. on. And I was trying to quit smoking, too. And and so he said, well, this is the answer to that. And ever since... I lived in Aldergrove in those days. And I have to commute all the way into NW in Vancouver or New Westminster, and if I got halfway in at 3.30 in the morning and realized I'd left my <laughs> nail clippers at home, I'd have to turn around and go back and get them. I kid you not, I do that, and today there's still a crutch. I love it. <laughs> that is such, that's a great, I've never heard of somebody doing that before. Neither had I. Yeah, but, uh, and Wayne's got them right here, too. I still too. got them. No. Why didn't you Bogart that joint instead of doing all of it, Frosty? Uh, Excuse oh, me? Why? Bogart? Huh? Captain Bummer there, what a, what a card. He's a he card. He ought to be dealt with. <laughs> well, as long as he didn't inhale, he can always run for president. <laughs> now, Wilbur, tell us uh, uh, the yeah. truth. Have you personally ever done any dope that you want to... I am the Wilbur. I am the walrus. Cuckoo, cuckoo, I am baby. the Wilbur. Oh, come on. Yeah. I'm just emptying your bong there, Ringo. Okay, that pretty much answers the question. Mm-hmm. You never you never did it. Not me. Cuts into my drinking. Cuts into your Hey, yeah, hey, hey, huh? there's a new drink. It's made with vodka and carrot juice. A drink of vodka and carrot juice? Yeah, you get just as fried, but you can see better in the morning. Well, let me write that down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're celebrating CKNW's 75th anniversary. We're live on location at the Anvil Center. It's at 777 Columbia in New Westminster. Come on down and say hi. Anvil Center is where commerce, culture, and community meet. To learn more, visit anvil-center.com. We're chatting with the legendary morning show, of course, the Frosty Force Show. Uh, we have uh, Brian on the line. Uh, Brian, thanks again for being with us. We have Norm Groman. We have Wayne Cox here. We had to pay some tribute there as well to the late, great Neil McRae. And, Brian, how vital was Neil to the show? Neil, well, of course he was. He uh, he had a big uh, hole to fill as well because Al Davidson left, of course, and he had to replace Al. But uh, I was telling the, the folks, they gave me a call from Kamloops Radio yesterday, and I was telling them up there uh, that they, Neil was exhausting. Uh, and I don't mean that in a bad way necessarily, He because caustic was his shtick, and he did it really well. People used to, well, should I say hate him? And they would say to me the next day, I never listened to Neil McRae. You know what he said this morning? That kind of thing. <laughs> That's so but, true. But when I would see J. <laughs> I... Paul McConnell come in in the morning when Neil was taking a holiday, nobody would ever tell me ahead of time. And I'd, I'd spot J. Paul through the hole in the door, and i think, oh, thank God, just to have a break from Neil because it was exhausting. <laughs> But um, you know, I, I have to tell you when I first started. McCray, when I first heard him interview Brian Burke, uh, 
Burke is no dummy. Burke right. is a lawyer, and he's smart, and he's fast, and he's nasty. And McCray, that was a classic on NW, when McCray went toe-to-toe with Brian Burke on the radio, and in my opinion, beat him. And I gained a new respect for McCray uh, when he did that. I have to say, when I first started working there and I started chatting with him in the hallways, I thought, is this the same Neil McRae that's on the air? Because he seems like a completely different person. But, Brian, we have somebody else here who wants to say hello to you, a very familiar voice. Go ahead. Good morning, Mr. Forrest. How are you? Oh, it's Joy Metcalf. It is Joy Metcalf. That's right, from Joy's Journal. And this is very, very much a Gala Gala Do morning, and you've got the Gala Gala Do gal. You're not going to tell me about Louis Pazbrega, are you? Do you know, it's one of my notes. It's right down here. What you did for Louis Pazbrega, I just can't imagine. I mean, that poor man, you never got his name right ever on your show. Louis Pazbrega. You would do Hughie. Dewey, Dewey, Louie, Mooie, whatever. But I think we you made still have famous. that Asian accent. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was one of the best hotel people around. He really was fantastic, and I still miss him, as a matter of fact. He was the one that actually brought the crystal ball into Vancouver from San Francisco, and it's still going on, raising thousands upon millions, actually, now millions and millions of dollars for all the charities. It's, it's wonderful and it's so nice that things like that are still continuing that we have these charities and one of the reasons that I'm still doing that kind of job uh, which I'll tell you about in a second is go. the fact that I uh, <laughs> 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 wants to tell us about her blog on the West Ender <laughs> <laughs> it's called West End Journal. It com- it's online. It comes out once a month. And Joy's Journal, the famous course, Joy's Journal, is on it. Wayne Cox subscribes to the West Ender, but it's not for Joy's blog. Oh, never mind that. Never mind that. <laughs> oh, it is, too. I know it is. Everybody reads Joy's Journal. As a matter of fact, it's too bad it's not back on NW. Hint, hint, Look hint. It, I knew hint, it. Hint. I knew she was going to make a plug for that while she was here, Wayne. She could not resist I'm, the urge to do I'm that. I'm dying to I keep know. doing it. There is so much going on down? in Vancouver. Do any of you ever slow down? Like, Brian, do you miss this at all? Obviously not the getting up early in the morning, but do you miss the show? I miss it on payday. <laughs> Let me. While Joy is with us, let me add, throw one thing in. There's a, one name I haven't heard yet. There's a lot of names that you can't get around to, of course. But somebody with whom Joy was very familiar, as was I, uh, recently passed away. He was uh, a prime mover. The production, the promotion department at NW has always been right up there with the news department and the sports and everything else. And uh, for the most part of it, it was run by John Plewell. And John yes, passed away, as I said, just a couple of weeks ago, sadly. But Joy was um, by his side a lot and uh, a very good friend of his. And uh, this gives oh, me well, an we opportunity to bring friends. that up. Aww. Well, we, thank you. We really were uh, best friends. Well, listen, I want to thank you guys all so much for coming down here. Wayne, we've had a great time. Thank you. I feel like we could do just four hours just with all of us sitting Aww. here. Well, thank you. Well, it was wonderful. Brian, thank you. And Norm, thank you so much for joining us today. I got a minute to say something appropriate about the promotion department. Well, I got about 10 seconds. Go okay, ahead. I'll, I'll catch you next year. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry about that, Norman.
Uh, Rick Honey, that was great. My mother was a huge Rick Honey hand. She used to come home at the end of the day and said, you know what Rick Honey said today? And of course, I was in high school and I said, no, I don't know what Rick Honey said today, but <laughs> she loved it. It just shows you how much NW has been a part of everyone's history. We're celebrating our 75th anniversary today. We're down at the Anvil Center in New Westminster. I've got Wayne Cox here with me. I've got Joy Metcalf here with me. I've got Brian Frosty Forrest. I've got Norm Groman. And uh, by the way, Brian, I have another little surprise for you. Oh, yeah? Yeah, are you ready for it? Well, wait till I take my uh, aspirin. Okay. <laughs> okay, here we go. We have somebody who's called in who really, really, really wanted to be a part of this. Do we have our special guest on the line? Hello? Hello, is that me you're talking about? Oh, Jennifer, it is. Did you want to say hi? Jennifer Thompson's with us. It's Jennifer Thompson. How are you guys? Jennifer, you sound like an old lady. What's going on? I'm like an old lady now. You know what? It has been such a great morning of listening to all the old voices and the old friends. And I just know I had to call and wish you guys a happy 75th anniversary working at CKNW, especially with Frosty, even though he picked on me. Every morning, mm. make me made me sound yes, like as he did with everybody. You know, yes. he, Joyce he, says Jennifer. Jennifer Joyce says he picked on everybody, so it was equal opportunity. <laughs> I never picked it. on Jennifer Thompson at all. You, Jennifer, yes. Do you recall when you got your tattoo and I got you to drop your drawers and show me the whole? <laughs> You know, don't make us call HR because we're not allowed to do that anymore. So, you know, <laughs> no dropping of the drawers at the workplace. Oh, well, it was radio. Birthday. It didn't matter. It was a tattoo I got on my 30th birthday, and it was of a flower on my hip. And, of course, Frosty had to take it there and ask me if I was going to have a whole garden down there. All theater of the mind. Oh. <laughs> don't tell anybody about Brian... Amy Bell's uh, tattoo. <laughs> Now, Brian, you really wanted to make sure that Jennifer was here today as well. How important was she for your show? Oh, absolutely. We went through some uh, some great traffic people, starting with, remember Kathy Morse, of course, and yes. uh, Sean Webster, naturally, Sean Webster. and then uh, Jennifer, who um, I enjoyed more than her traffic. I enjoyed uh, all of her boyfriends. That was the money she's settled <laughs> down now, I'm told. <laughs> That's for true. The record, I wasn't, I wasn't yes. the alcohol and bimbo you made me sound like, by the way. <laughs> oh, hey, kids, it's still 1030 in the morning. <laughs> he calls them the and way we see them. Sean Webster is going to be joining us a little bit later this morning oh, as well. So she's good. going to be here today as well. Um, it must be hard, though. You guys spent so much time together every single morning to then not have that time. You must know each other so well. Did you feel that way, Brian, Norm, Jennifer? Well, I felt like I knew Jennifer really well. I, well, well, yeah, I guess so. Even when we left the station and she would be out doing remotes, I'd go and visit her. You remember you did one close to my house, Jen? Yeah, and, I remember. Uh, I asked her to go for a ride on my motorcycle more than once, and she wouldn't go, though. I don't know what's with that. And then I ended I up marrying a guy who drives motorcycles. <laughs> <laughs> everybody everybody knows Brian was a motorcycle oh, rider, yeah. right, oh, Joy? Yeah. And no, yeah. no for you either? That was oh, a no? exactly, exactly. Not he getting on that? great motorcycle rider. <laughs> yes, yes. No I'd even take there. the bike into work in the, at 3.30 in the morning and uh, park downtown and find my way up to the station in my biker clothes. Yes. <laughs> Are you enjoying all this, Wayne? You're still there, aren't you? Oh, I'm here. I'm, I thought I'm, maybe you dozed I'm just, off. 
No. no. I'm absolutely stunned with all this new information with tattoos and everything. I'm, just, I'm letting Brian run the show. I feel bad. Like, I can't jump in. It's Brian Forrest that's doing the running the show here, so I have to let that stunned. happen. Is Norm Roman still there? Yes, Brian. <laughs> I'm still here. And I have a question for you. I was talking about, you were talking about the CKNW uh, promotion department. And yes. uh, one yes. April Fool, you guys devised... Uh, an idea that the government of British Columbia was going to build a railroad line dedicated from Vancouver to the Bellis Fair Mall. And Grace McCarthy, who was in government at the time, was on the air. If it wasn't Grace, it was somebody like uh, Linda Cullen doing a spot-on impersonation of her. (laughs) So... Uh, what did you guys get Grace McCarthy to to, to uh, do the April Fool joke, or was that Linda Cullen? You know, I got a very vague memory. We used to do some wild stuff on April Fool's Day, and I don't really remember yeah. that one. It probably was Grace because John Plewell knew yeah. Grace exactly. McCarthy, used to work for her. So if anybody could have got Grace, it would have been John. Well, it, uh, it had and me absolutely <laughs> convinced that it was Grace. And I thought, CKNW, what? Well, I remember once also there was a terrific thunder and lightning storm. You could hear it all over the southern part of British Columbia. And, and I think it was a guy from another radio station. Somebody looked up and said, wow, that's some storm. And he says, it's probably another CKNW promotion. <laughs> you remember when we, when we broadcast through the fillings of your teeth? such was the power of cknw right and joy you wanted to make sure that we did mention and recognize i I definitely did want to talk about my best friend uh, the late john plool you can have all the starry people that you can possibly get together but if nobody's listening it doesn't matter john plool made sure absolutely positively certain that NW was recognized in every single way, whether it was through, through various promotions, various yeah. charities, whatever. He was always there, and we were always number one. Mm-hmm. We were consistently number one in the uh, the Top Dog book. Oh, You'll that's see the all Chuck Davis book. Well. Yeah, that's yes. John McCombs it's, copy. I've got to make sure that gets back to him. That's fantastic. Yeah. He was an absolute genius at promotion and vice president of the station, of course. He, and wasn't, he got he wasn't, me on the air. He wasn't perfect, though, Joy. No, I I remember one day he said, I've got a great guest for your show today. And I said, oh, good. And so I'll be in there at quarter to one. And so I'm waiting, waiting. The door flies open and in walks the A&W root bear, (laughs) which which is very, it's very colorful. It's a wonderful guest, but the root bear doesn't talk. (laughs) I remember that. (laughs) And I had to remind John after, I said, John, this is radio. But it didn't kill his enthusiasm. He still was still fired up that we got the root bear on. Theater of the mind, Wainers. No, he was was wonderful. Wonderful guy. And we miss him terribly. I miss the phone calls. He used to phone me every day. And we discussed all sorts of things that were going on, including the obits that were in the paper. That is the power of radio, too, Wayne. And, I mean, Mm -hmm. you've worked in all different mediums there. How how different is radio, too? Well, radio is just so personal. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a real... Well, from in my mind, anyway, a real one-on-one kind of thing, and um, I, I I miss that. I miss that 
part of it. Yeah. Um, well, the good thing about radio is you can do other things while you're listening. You yeah. can't read a paper and go do the dusting. You can't uh, watch television and do the dusting. You can listen to radio anytime. But I was told you sell it, Joy. You sell but I was yeah. told that by this one person that was a my show was the perfect show to do her vacuuming by. <laughs> I get it. On that note, oh, on that note, I want to thank everybody for uh, joining us today and telling these great stories. And Frosty, I have to tell you, uh, Mr. Forrest, uh, your daughter Rosemary also wrote us an email to say to oh. say hi to her dad today and how great uh, she still listens to CKNW oh. Daily. All thanks to her dad. So thank you to all of you for being part of our CKNW family. We appreciate your time. Do we have to come in thank the you. New York to get the you. check, or are you going to mail it? <laughs> it's in the mail. It's in the mail. As okay. with all checks, they are in the mail. Thank you. That's Brian Frosty Forrest, Norm Groman, Wayne Cox, Joy Metcalf, Jennifer Thompson also did join us. Jennifer, thank you so much for that. We have so much going on here for the 75th anniversary. More great stories, more memorable voices. Stay with us. There's more to come on the Simi Sarah Show. Hey the Columbia Street location for CKNW today. We are celebrating our 75th anniversary down at the Anvil Center, 777 Columbia. Come on down and join us and say hi. We've got all sorts of great things for you to do, including, you may notice when you get here, there is a big old transit bus that is parked out front. That is courtesy of our next guest, Trevor Batstone, who is the Community Events Coordinator with the Transit Museum Society of BC, live on location with us today. Good morning, Trevor. Good morning, Simi. Uh, pleased to be here. We're, we're honored to be here for your milestone anniversary. It's great. So uh, We love having you. And that yeah. bus brings back a lot of memories. What did you bring with you today? We brought the, uh, the fishbowl bus. It's called a fishbowl. It's a 1964 General Motors uh, bus. Uh, began service on the North Shore back then, and then eventually this bus uh, operated out of Surrey and later on in uh, Burnaby, where it retired in the late 90s. Because I was saying that's the bus from my childhood that I it remember. It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of the uh, a lot of the older people, or even uh, middle-aged people, uh, remember these buses very well. It was my favorite bus to drive back in the day, and I'm honored to be able to drive it again right now. At, my retirement age. You can't so. get it out of your system, can oh, you, Trevor? Oh, no, it's in my blood. <laughs> <laughs> I was telling Trevor, yeah. I was like, bus driving, that is something that goes way back in my family. My dad was yeah. a bus driver for decades when it was BC Transit, and then it was like Metro. Well, it, it started, this is uh, BC Hydro. A BC Hydro when That's I was a right. kid. That's, That's right. right. I started with BC Hydro in 75. And I always remember there was a different patch on That's the jackets right. all the time. That's right, yeah. Four different companies, same outfit. <laughs> I know what that's like, believe me. Uh, so where is the Transit Museum, and when can people come and visit that? Uh, it's it's not a museum that's open for the public, per se. We're located in a, a large warehouse in South Burnaby. We have uh, 14 coaches in our collection, different makes and models. And um, most of our members um, actually have never even been uh, transit employees. They're just Really? Really. Um, bus enthusiasts, uh, public transit uh, buffs, and uh, they just like to be members and uh, help out and uh, work on our old buses in the shop and uh, uh, go on fan trips and come to community events like this. So, bus uh, enthusiasts. Bus enthusiasts, yeah. What do you think of the new bus, double-deckers? Bus geek. Bus geeks. What do you think of the new double-deckers? Um, I haven't seen one in person yet. Are you excited that we see one in I person? I believe we have one at the P&E. 
They're going to be coming, yes. Um, we took another old bus over there yesterday. It's going to be there for the duration. And, uh, cool. It's our rolling museum bus. It's quite cool inside, so you have to come and see that. Where, Trevor, can people get more information if they are perhaps bus geeks and would like to join you? Uh, we have a website. It's very simple. It's uh, it's called uh, trams.ca, T-R-A-M-S dot C-A. You're right. That is simple. And anyone can become a member, uh, even our best mechanics at the shop never worked for transit they fantastic just, they just love uh, well working on buses we, <laughs> we thank you for bringing this one down here today it's bringing thank, a lot of memories thank you simi we also yeah. have a couple minutes now to spend with nin rai who is the president and founder of truffles fine foods they are down here they are doing tastings they brought the most amazing ice sculpture nin thanks so much for joining us yeah, who brought this tell me about this ice sculpture that you brought Yes, we bring ice sculptures for sometimes we have big events and big um, corporate parties and weddings, and sometimes the clients ask for ice sculptures. So we have a outfit out of Richmond that carves them for us, and it's beautiful. We bring them for the events. Yeah, it's a, usually a showstopper, so it's pretty cool. And if people come down here, what can they expect to have a little? We're going to have a sampling of a lot of different little goodies: artisan meat and cheese platters, little mushroom tarts and prawns, and uh, tomato bocconcini skewers. And just we're going to have a little um, just an assortment throughout the day. Really, can you deliver them like around the corner? Because I can't get up during the I show. I think we can arrange and go like over that. to where your table is. Way no, back there. I think there. we can arrange that for you. <laughs> Should be easy enough. I do love that. So you guys get to get out and do stuff like this very often. Do you community yeah, events like this? Uh, well, once or twice a year, especially here at the Anvil Center. There's always something going on, some sort of community event. So it's very cool to be part of the community. So why the Anvil Center? Why is that so? Important? Well, we've been the exclusive caterer here for about five years now. So it's kind of our. You know, we were here when it opened up, so it's kind of our family. So we're, Right. Yeah. How much of a difference did it make? Because this is a beautiful building. It is. Gorgeous, like, street front, right here on Columbia Street in New Westminster. Yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic. And, you know, obviously events and just the corporate community and um, conference has just grown year after year after year after year. So it's been fantastic. How do you decide what little snacks to give to people? Because, you know, when I'm at a party <laughs> at an event and there's, like, trays of food going around, I'm scoping that out because I'm yeah, going right. to see which one I'm going to go take a dive for. And yeah, which. so we kind of just go by what people's tastes are, and then you know, you got to be constant of vegetarians and vegans and this diet and that diet at the same time making sure True. it all tastes good. What's super popular right now? Uh, what's super popular right now? Our tomato bocconcini skewers are really popular. People yeah, I guess you like, can't really go wrong with that, can no, you? No, no. People just love that those Italian flavors. But you said prawns. Like, if I see prawns on a platter somewhere, I'm thinking that's a big ticket item. I'm yeah, for that. people like the prawns. People <laughs> like this all-you-can-eat prawn, basically. Oh, that is so true. Trevor, are you going to check some of that out? You betcha. That yeah. is. Now, do you do you see this bus out here? That yes, Trevor I do. Bought? Bring back a lot of memories Absolutely. for you, too? Absolutely. It reminds right? me of uh, my time in Nanaimo, where I grew up. So, yeah, it's right took one of those buses many times that's true bc transit is now all is everywhere outside of metro vancouver right uh that's basically correct yeah most of the municipalities like up in the okanagan Kelowna, and uh, uh victoria it's all bc transit yeah right so just buses like this are no longer in operation this nope. is just a classic this is just a classic yeah it was my favorite bus to drive back in the day I okay why is that now you said that so what makes this bus your favorite bus to drive um it, the engine sings beautifully, for one thing. <laughs> Nin and I are both fascinated. Go. We're going, what? The <laughs> yes. engine sings beautifully it's, in this bus. It's a Detroit diesel 6V71 engine, and uh, it runs beautifully. And uh, it's called a fishbowl because uh, the windshield consists of six curved pieces of glass. 
So, right. You really well, are a bus geek, Trevor. Oh, yeah. Well, I admire yeah, that. Yeah, 36 years. Uh, That'll yeah. do it to you, won't yeah, it? Yeah, you bet. Well, I thank both of you for being down here with thank us you, today at the Anvil Center. And I hope we have yeah. lots of people who thank come you. down and visit us. We've got so much going on. If you have a chance to stop by at 777 Columbia, please do. We've, and this is thanks to so many people who helped us do this today. The Mori Auto Group, Penfolds Roofing and Solar, the Anvil Center, the City of New Westminster, Truffles Fine Foods and Catering. So we thank everybody for their contribution and we're not done we are celebrating our 75th anniversary all day today we are live on location today celebrating our 75th anniversary i'm simi sarah thank you so much for joining us today for this very special show and as mentioned you can come down here and visit us these doors are wide open we've got beautiful weather here today we've got all sorts of things going on we've got treats for you courtesy of truffles and more we're at 777 columbia street and we wanted to come back to new westminster for a very special reason because this of course is where cknw began on august 15th 1944 at its original frequency of 12.30 a.m. Back then, it was under the ownership of Bill Reyes International Broadcasting Company. And, yes, CKNW was Vancouver's first country music station. So a little bit of a different history there. That was the first in the region, though, to provide hourly newscasts between 6 a.m. and midnight. And we were the first in the province to broadcast 24 hours a day beginning in 1947. And then... On November 17th, 1958, we switched to our present frequency of 980. It's where I ever tell everybody when they go, where do you work? I work at 980, and they know exactly what I'm talking about. On February 22nd, 1960, we increased our transmission power even more in 1965. And then on January 15th, 1969, CKNW moved into some larger studio space. It was a former Safeway store in New Westminster. I think a lot of people who were around back then nodding their heads. They know which location I'm talking about. Our parent company at the time, Western Broadcasting, put the FM sister station, CFMI, now known as Rock 101, also on the air there on March 22nd, 1970. So we'd been there for decades, and it was a very big move in the 1990s when CKNW left New Westminster and moved into our current location in the TD Tower in downtown Vancouver. It was huge, and at the time it was even covered by the big TV station, BCTV. On this edition of the Nightside Radio program, Yes, the Western Information Network's finest musical show. Well, we go to 1979. For as long as anyone can remember, radio station CKNW has called this old Safeway store home. And for most of those years, it has become a one-stop shopping center for news and information. And they run it off this mini-disc, and they can run it straight out of the news booth. Now enter the digital age as NW moves to their state-of-the-art new digs on the 21st and 22nd floors of the Toronto Dominion Tower in downtown Vancouver. You miss the old days of the uh, cut and slice of the uh, audio tape? No, I don't think I'm going to miss that at all. This is going to make life so much easier. Technology, it's great. Marines and Coast Guardsmen of the United Nations as our special guests. And now... Your hostess, Kate Smith.
Those were the days, right? That was a very big move for us. Well, talking about New Westminster and our history here, we had to bring in our next guest. Peter Julian is the MP for New Westminster Burnaby. He's here with us at the Anvil Centre to talk about our history. Hi, Peter. Thanks for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. And I can remember as a kid, I lived three blocks from the old CKNW at the Ethan McBride. Yeah. So as a young kid, I remember seeing the building where all these voices came from, and I was just fascinated by it. <laughs> so true right and look at new westminster i mean this is a beautiful location now at the anvil center how long have you represented new westminster here for uh, for 15 years now since 2004 so you've seen a lot of changes here even during that time it's uh it, the downtown has really grown and developed we'd love to have cknw back of course right across the street is the old studio <laughs> that's what you said to me when i sat down you were like we're just going to keep you guys here today is that it <laughs> not so bad i mean come on this is a beautiful location it certainly is. And, and New Westminster was really proud to, to host CKNW until it uh, moved to Vancouver. Uh, and CKNW has been a big part of uh, pretty well the lives of British Columbians right across the province and, uh, and, and certainly has had an impact in the community. My, my wife, when I mentioned I was coming down here today, uh, said uh, she's a clinical audiologist. She works uh, with deaf and hard of hearing kids. And she said, uh, just remind listeners about what a big impact the Orphans Fund and now the Kids Fund has had in providing hearing aids to, to hard of hearing kids and, and allow them to learn in schools. And that was the key part of being in New Westminster because people don't realize that that's how it all got started. It, we, it was called the Orphans Fund for a long, long time because it started in support of an orphanage that was right down the street in New Westminster. Yes, yeah, that, that orphanage was right at uh, 6th Street and, and 8th Avenue. And uh, it had a, the, the Orphans Fund had a huge impact in supporting that. Yeah, those, those orphans, now, now it has an impact on kids uh, right across the lower mainland. Yeah, and your wife is absolutely right, because that's what I love about the Kids Fund, too, is that it helps out with those things that you kind of otherwise might fall through the cracks, right? And parents might, might have to pay for that on their own. Yes, yeah, and, and for, for kids who, who can't afford hearing aids or their parents can't afford hearing aids, they, they don't learn in school. So it has an impact right throughout their lives. So that's just one way that CKNW has touched in a really positive way the lives of, of people in I the community. That. Thank you for reminding us about that. We were also talking too, I said, isn't that old spaghetti factory still here? Because that place has been here forever. And you were saying, yeah, it used to be the only great place to go for lunch. Yes. Well, and, now, and now, not <laughs> now, now there are dozens of places. New Westminster is really experiencing a revival. I, I think Mayor Jonathan Cote is going to be here this he afternoon will. on the show. And, and the, the reality is uh, New Westminster has really developed into a, a, a center as it was uh, originally, Back first in capital day. in BC. And, and at the time when CKNW was founded, it was really the heart of the Fraser Valley. People came to Columbia Street to shop. And uh, now it's experiencing a, a new revival. My constituency office is right under the SkyTrain station in downtown New West. And, and we see uh, the activity, the, uh, the fact that people are coming back to live here. And, of course, the, the, the fabulous number yeah. of great restaurants. Well, you're going to have to give me a little tour. Peter, you're going to have to show me some great places to eat around here. I, I would, would love, love to. Thank you so much for being with us today. My pleasure. That's Peter Julian, the NDP MP that's representing New Westminster and Burnaby, talking about CKNW's history here in the city. Come and see us today. We're at the Anvil Center, 777 Columbia. We are celebrating our 75th anniversary today with a very special show. We are live on location at the Anvil Center. This is at 777 Columbia in New Westminster. The Anvil Center is where commerce, culture, and community meet. If you'd like to learn more, visit anvil-center.com. Come on down and visit us, too. We've got food. You should see the lineup for the food right now, courtesy of Truffles. Uh, so come on down and join us. We would love to hear you. Now, if you were listening to CKNW in the late 1990s and the early 2000s, you very likely heard our next guest in the afternoons. It's Jennifer Burke, then known as 
Jennifer Mather. She hosted the Jennifer Mather Show on CKNW right up until 2005. Now, her career didn't, though, begin with the talk show. Before she was speaking behind the mic, she sat behind the board. She was a sound engineer here when she was only 19 years old. What was it like climbing the ranks at CKNW? What are some of her favorite memories? Well, we had a chance a couple of days ago to catch up with her, and here's what she told us. Well, Jennifer, thanks so much for joining us for this little uh, walk down memory lane that we're doing here. When did, <laughs> when did you start at CKNW? Oh, my gosh. That, you know, that involves me doing math and also <laughs> revealing how old I am. So I'm not sure if I want to do either. But I do remember uh, James Richardson hired me. Doug Rutherford likes to take credit, but James is the one uh, who hired me out of BCIT journalism program. I was working there and he hired me to be an operator. I, uh, ran the control board and I'm going to say I started when I was 19 wow. years out of high school. So maybe 87, 88 was my first year at CKNW. And basically I did the lowest possible job you could possibly do there. <laughs> and yet you worked your way up. You were here kind of on and off for quite a while. I was. I was actually there for a long time because I would run Jack Cullen shows on Sunday nights. I'd run Red Robinson shows. You know, you'd operate the control board. And and this was back when you had to load the reels, the tape to tape, and then you'd splice and then edit them. And they'd call in and chat. And, you know, Hal Davis was uh, running a show back then as well. So I would do the control board for them in the evening times and play, you know, all the golden oldies. Um, And I did that for a few years and then started, you know, hanging out in the newsroom because that was where my first interest and love was and when you're surrounded by people like Warren Barker and George Garrett and Pat Markley you know the lone uh, female Pat voice Markley, back yes. in the day yeah yeah I mean you it, you start to it, you just start to breathe news through osmosis and that's where I wanted to be so um, then I got a job as a community cruiser person and you know it's driving that little van all around New Westminster and the GTA at the time reporting on local events and and then CSMI, the sister station, hired me to do morning news. So it kind of went from, you know, AM to FM, but we shared space. So I, I like I say, I sat next to J.P. McConnell for years, Neil McRae, rest his soul, for years, right? And you yeah. you <laughs> learn a lot. I learned a lot, and not a lot of it I can repeat on air, let me tell you. <laughs> you know, I was wondering about that, because eventually you oh were goodness. the female voice on the you had a talk show on CKNW back when it was not very common at all across the country for women to have a talk show on the radio. What was that like? And I'm grateful to Tom Plasteris for that. But because I got that job, it, you know, it was from filling in for Fanny Kiefer. It was filling in with, you know, John McComb and Philip Till. And I learned a lot from those veterans and those professionals. I mean, I almost wish them that I could go back and do it again. Because I think, I feel like even though I was in my 30s when I did the talk show, um, when I did get my own talk show in the afternoon, I just feel like I was so young then. And now, <clears throat> not that I'm old, but I do <laughs> it would be feel, different. you know, after you, well, it would just be different. And also when you leave Vancouver and British Columbia, and because I live in Toronto now, and I've been working here now for 10 years, I work for CTV News Channel, and you see the province from afar, you get a different perspective. And, and it's fascinating. It really is. And I, I, I've been invited to come back and, and moderate the leaders' debate because I still keep my eye on BC a lot. I'm there a lot. I have family there. So I, I just sometimes wish I could go back and do it again. But I'm so grateful for the opportunity that I had. It, it's, it's such an institution. And, 
you know, I loved watching you progress as well. Same kind of route, right? We yeah, went from very similar, being a yeah. television anchor. Yeah, and people ask me, and I'll ask you this, because I'm still a curious news journalist. <laughs> okay. Do you like radio better than TV? People ask me that all the time. Which do you prefer, radio or television? It's so funny. You're right. I get asked that question several times a week by people who stop me. Yeah. And I tell them the truth that right now, I really prefer radio right now. I think the way everything is so instant and, you know, everybody wants instant gratification. Radio right now is the place where you go to get more context. And I can actually explain something to people where you don't often get that opportunity in television anymore. Ditto. And you know this, as a news anchor, you cannot have an opinion theoretically. Now on news channel, we do a little bit more in-depth stuff, so you can't actually explore issues. It's a lot like radio and TV. Um, But for radio, I always found, first of all, you had to have an opinion Mm -hmm. and you could editorialize. And one thing that it helped me do so much, I had to write an editorial every day. And I remember talking to Bill Good about this. How do you do it? Because he would pound out his editorials like in the blink of an eye, and I would struggle and fret and weep over every word. And then as you did it more, it was like exercising this new muscle, and you started to have a voice and a bigger voice, and you were allowed to. And so there's nothing like talk radio. There Mm. really isn't. And my gosh, to be able to train uh, at CKNW and groom yourself there and learn and then go away and come back, it was such a gift. I, I'm forever grateful for that. You mentioned being in, around such great big names, Warren Barker, Neil McCray. Did any of them ever give you advice that really stuck with you that you remember? <sighs> you know, that's a great question. Lots of people gave me advice. Yeah, <laughs> Clearly, I needed it. <laughs> but again, it was just watching. And, you know, Gord McDonald, uh, we were probably around the same age. He, he was a rookie, I think, when I started there, when I was like 19 as well, I right? Thought, I thought Gordon had always uh, been here. <laughs> I, I, I feel like he, he has. Uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like he has. Um, but, you know, just uh, listening and watching. And I think if I had advice for someone starting in the business, besides don't start in the business <laughs> right now, <laughs> but it would be... <laughs> It would be listen more than you talk. And, and so I think when I look back, I, I wish I had listened more than I had talked, even when I was doing talk radio, right? And I mean, listen to your audience, listen to the callers, mm-hmm. right? That's um, so true. The great, lots of people gave me great advice. Phil Till was amazing, I got to say, and John McComb and Bill Good. I, you know, those were the, the gentlemen that I worked around. I think I think people should also understand what goes on behind the scenes. And you know this, your yeah. producers, right, your researchers, like none of that happens. Watching Rafe Mayer work, I mean, it was scary. Like I, I would tiptoe around his office, but, <laughs> but boy, he, he was a legend, you know. Yeah, and, then, and then I got his office, Tim. I got his office, and you know you why really? I got his office after he left? I did, because I had a baby. And CKNW let me bring my baby to work. And I had, you know, a nanny looking after her while I'd be on the air. And then during, like, commercial breaks in the newscast, I'd run out and I'd nurse her in my office, which used to be Ray Mayer's office. And I'm sure he would have, like, rolled over (laughs) if he knew that. (laughs) I was nursing in his office. You know what? That's just but, uh, one of the great stories that makes uh, NW such an amazing place for 75 years. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us. Great to talk to you, Simi. My best to everybody out there, and congratulations on the anniversary. 
Oh, that was so great. That was our conversation earlier this week that we had with Jennifer uh, Burke. Back then, Jennifer Mather. She wanted to come out for the uh, anniversary. Unfortunately, she lived in Toronto. She was working. She couldn't make it. But we're so glad we were able to have her on today. Uh, and all the stories that she had to tell, they were great ones. Come on down. We're telling some great stories about CKNW's history today. And I know that my next guest, he's got the dirt. And he better have brought it with him. Tom Lesteris was the program director of CKNW. Even when he was in his late 20s, how could you possibly do that? How did you manage that, by the way? How did they give you that job when you were so young? Because I had gray hair. You still do. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm starting to go gray. Um, just, uh, I think, because Doug Rutherford was around, and it was a good mentorship, and he was sort of there for the first 18 months, 24 months with me from Edmonton. You were in charge, yeah. and so you were in charge of the people like Frosty, mm-hmm. Bill, Yep. Rafe, mm-hmm. those are some pretty outsized personalities. Yep. How does somebody corral that? That's what I always wondered. Um, well, I guess because it, it was interesting when I first started. I didn't want them to think that I was going to come in and just pretend I knew how to do everything. Mm-hmm. So I met with each one individually. And I went to Rafe, for example, and I just said, look, I view my job as doing what I can do to make it easy for you to do what you do. And we'll figure out what that means. Really? Yeah. You must have some great stories, though. Come on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, time for a break? Not gonna, not gonna, no, not time for a break. You just started because we want to hear yeah. some of these stories. I'm sure there was, come on, contract negotiation time. Somebody, like, was that, those kinds of egos must have been very hard to juggle. Yeah, but I think we took the approach that uh, we would try and get what their priorities were. We were never there to sort of get a deal on anybody. We wanted to keep people happy and... As Doug Rutherford used to say, you know, we hire thoroughbreds and we let them run. Um, That's nice. Is that when your hair went all gray, though? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right that day. That day. Um, But no, there were some some pretty interesting negotiations for sure. I'll bet. Because you also, as a matter of fact, hired me. Yes. Yeah. Remember this? Let's have a little listen. People stop me on the street. They hear every word that you say. And they hear every issue that you talk about. And they want to know more about it. And to me... That is one of the most attractive things about this job is that you can take something and you can talk about it for 15 minutes or 20 minutes and really give people an idea of what it's about and then they can have their say and they want to talk about it. They want to engage and this is really one of the very few places that they can do that. The Simi Sarah Show premieres Monday, August 22nd on CKNW News Talk 980. That was a long time ago. So good. Yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. That, was, that was really, really <laughs> good. Yeah, you put a lot of women on the air when women on talk radio across the country was not very regular. Like, that just didn't happen. Mm-hmm. How did you do that? Like, what, what was the thought process? Uh, well, because it made sense. It was the right thing to do. And we sort of looked at our talent pool available to us, and it was about brains. I mean, if you look at everybody from Frosty to Jim Robson to Rafe to Bill to you to any contributor in their own way was really smart. And that's what the key was. Even you put Kim Campbell. Kim Campbell tried out being a talk show host, didn't you? The former prime minister. What was that like? That was great. And in fact, we were working on a deal to uh, have a full-time situation that would go across the country. But for some corporate reasons it didn't come about but yeah she was she was very good although it was at a time I think in her career where she may not have known what was coming next mm-hmm. so 
she wasn't as outspoken on the radio at that time as she is now on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> you follow her. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. That's yeah. true. Kim Campbell's very outspoken. Yeah. Uh, and as well, like there was sometimes it didn't work out when you would get pushback from the audience, right? Oh, yeah. And I remember a great story that you told me once that at the time when Glenn Clark was just had to resign as being premier, you thought maybe he might make a good talk show host. Yeah. How did that work out? Not so well. Um, <laughs> I mean, it was an interesting time because we were debating whether or not um, we were supposed to put on a certain ideology right? or if we were supposed to put somebody on the radio that would get an audience. And we had a lot of debates about that. And Glenn's a wonderful man and, and we had some great conversations about that. But it just, it leaked out that we were talking and it just got, was so controversial. And I remember going on with... with uh, Philip and John at the time. I said, I think we need to go on the air today and, and Talk basically this, yeah. say this is not going to proceed. And uh, they at the time had this idea, well, what about Macomb doing evenings? Uh, and I'm like, well, what do you, you know, do you want to do that? Because you're such a partnership. Anyway, he says, well, well, we won't ask you about what's next. We'll just let you make the announcement. And this was the time that uh, Marty McSorley and uh, oh, right. had that issue. Yes. So I get on the air. And Donald I said, Brashear, yeah. Marty McSorley. Yeah. And uh, Philip does exactly, he goes, well, if not uh, <laughs> Mr. Clark, then who? I love your Philip Till impersonation. Yeah. And I'm looking at him dumbfounded. And if I first thing I thought of was, we're looking at Marty McSorley. <laughs> <laughs> and luckily it just sort of got... <laughs> Went off track from yeah. there. Uh, yeah. But so does it, sometimes it's too early for politicians, right? Like that's... It's great to think that some of them might do this, but at some point the public isn't always ready right. to have that. It's just too, too early. It is too early. Like later on today, I believe Linda Steele's going to have Christy Clark on. Oh, great. And that worked out yep. uh, for many years. And then what was it like when she decided to run for the liberal leadership? Because that puts NW in a bit of a tough position. Yeah, I think, I mean, uh, again, a, a very smart, uh, charismatic person who was getting a lot of pressure behind the scenes to run. Um, I think she loved her job as a talk show host. Um, so it was sort of something she had to weigh. And then at the time when she came to see myself and I think Gary McKenzie at the time to say this is... Then we were... I mean, you, you have to support that. Yeah. So we just said, okay, well, take a leave. Doesn't work out. See you the next day. If it does, congratulations. We, uh, we all know how it worked out. Yeah. And I'm, I'm happy for her because uh, I got that job. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> There's only one radio station worth talking about. It's provocative, interesting, and challenging. Very strange sort of a liberal. He apparently... There's only one radio station where you can talk to Rafe Mayer. This premier got where he is by playing to the media and being skilled at manipulating There's the only media. one radio station where you can talk to Bill Good. There's one radio station worth talking about. BC's most listened to radio station. I can't tell you how much I love that app. Oh, how great that, that bring that? back memories for you? Oh, yeah. Former uh, CKNW program director Tom Plasteris is with us. That would have been your era, right? Well, because the announcer, One Long Al, was like he'd come in and 
in between, so we'd have to edit all that. But his voice was just magic. It was. And by the way, coming up at 1.30 this afternoon, uh, Bill Good's going to be in. Oh, great. Bill's going to come in, of course, longtime host here on CKNW, and the phones would always light up. when. And back then it was different, right, because there was no social media. Mm-hmm. So NW was the place. What was it like for you running this station that was like, it seemed like all news got made on CKNW? Yeah, and it was, I mean... It, it, Somebody knew it would take them a while sometimes to realize how uh, significant what they said was in the media. What do you mean? In that you can't just get away with a quick little, perhaps, quip quip that may be legally problematic. Uh, (laughs) People heard everything and acted upon everything. The government was listening to certain, we knew that. Uh, so it was it was really an interesting time in that in that the concentration of attention on one outlet right because prime minister stopped by everybody Always. stopped by yep it was great because uh, when Jean Chrétien was the prime minister and uh, Rafe would want him to come on but he Rafe was away so there was a little battle there and Jean came in and it was uh, Jean. Prime Minister Kajan came in. Look at and, you. Uh, Jean dropped by. And uh, <laughs> he left a note on Rafe's desk. He said, Rafe, every time I'm in town, you go. How come? <laughs> Did he really? Yeah. <laughs> so it was, it was great. That must have been very heady, too, when you think about it, is that there's a different era, yep. right? But yep. it, that kind of thing doesn't happen anymore. But the fact that today you can't just expect people are going to show up on your show. because no, they, have they don't different, need to. Yeah. No. I mean, they needed to then. Uh, Rafe for example, was so powerful because there was no social media. There wasn't yeah. all these other outlets. So he had a big sway. So they needed to come and have those very fiery debates. And even be beat up by him. If, even if it meant coming on being beat up by him, they had to do that. There yeah. was no choice. Absolutely. And when he had a bone and wouldn't let go of it, whether it was the Kamano... You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. All of that kind of stuff. What was that like for you? Like, did you just let him run with that and say, go? Oh, yeah. Well, his daily editorial, for example, I didn't see that before it went out. Um, freedom of speech, and that's, you know. Uh, but he could, as Rutherford used to say, skate close to the board. So we would say, look, you're a trained lawyer. So if you think it's problematic and you don't want to show us, you must lawyer it first. And so we had somebody on standby that would take these editorials, go through them, and then we'd hear them. Do you have a favorite memory? One that is G-rated that you can share with us? Of everything? Of your time there, yeah. What do you remember most about? Well, the people, obviously. So not necessarily maybe a favorite, because there were so many varied ones. I was just talking to Gord Mack about election coverage back in the day. How great that was. How much, what a team effort that was. How much fun it was. Um, lots of really funny stories that obviously I can't really probably <laughs> share, but uh, it, it was we the the family of people uh, was so exceptional and yeah. dysfunctional. That's true, but there's not every family. Yeah, every family is like that. And so back in the day, if you had somebody, if you had a slot open up at CKNW, how hard was that? Like to fill, you must have had just the phone ringing off the hook. Well, if better that or anyone would take your call if oh. you wanted to talk to them about an opportunity. It was not hard to reach somebody. Does nobody, does that not happen to you anymore? Uh, no one has answered the phone. <laughs> 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 but you could get some of the best journalists in the country yeah. to easily have a conversation with you about an opportunity. I know, it's such a great time. Yeah. Uh, we would be remiss if we didn't mention what you're up to now. You're with the Whitecaps. Yes, ma'am. How's that? Brilliant. It is 
what is happening with MLS soccer and this club? Uh, it's just the beginning. MLS is growing so fast and becoming so competitive uh, at such a pace. And what's really interesting to me and what I've learned there is what you see at BC Place is just the tip of the iceberg. The amount of activity in developing uh, youth soccer yeah. from here right to PEI people would be astounded if they took a moment to, to look at that. Our ownership group has just invested an incredible amount. Uh, that is fantastic. I was thinking too as you were talking about of course NW's long association with the Vancouver Canucks. That must have been something back in the day. Well, hearing Robson's clip there, like, yeah. how is goosebumps. that? Goosebumps. Did you, you get know, goosebumps totally. when you that? I remember I was at that game and I remember walking towards it and I had a ticket and I thought I could go to this game or I could renovate my bathroom. <laughs> like, this ticket is hot. And I, that was one of the best hockey games I've ever seen. And then, of course, Robson. Like, Classic. That's just genius. Oh, We've know, had the best play-by-play guys. You did. Robson and Larshide. Like, yeah. they, that was amazing. In fact, I saw them on Global BC last night. People can check out that, too. Esquire sat down with them for a little reunion. So great. Those two, and then Huey, and then Shorthouse. Like, there are some iconic calls of his like yeah. things that occurred where he actually was I mean his clip would be on sports shows in the state saying listen to this guy like look it's at amazing. how yeah that was the time uh, Tom thank you thank you for being here keep in touch return my text every once in a while yeah sure will uh, no he won't <laughs> he actually will he's terrible for that no. uh, listen thanks to everybody for helping us out today our Welcome back. I'm Simi Sarah. Thanks so much for joining us today for our special 75th anniversary celebrations that we have going on. We are live at the Anvil Center in New Westminster. And you just heard there one of the real seminal moments for the Christy Clark show. And of course, when Christy Clark was there, she wasn't the first woman to ever have been on NW, but her show certainly had a huge impact. We also wanted to take some time this hour on our show to talk about some of the pioneering women on CKNW because, you know, I think we take it for granted in this province that, yeah, there's lots of women on talk radio. That's not necessarily the case right across the country. And if it is now, it really has only been in the last five to ten years where that's happened. But CKNW was at the forefront of that. So I have some very special guests with us to talk about this today. I have Shirley Stalker, former CKNW talk show host and producer, also very instrumental in our CKNW Orphans Fund back in the day as well. Hi, Shirley. Hi. Thanks so much nice. for joining us. Lovely to be here. When did you start with CKNW? 1971. As? You came here because you were with the CBC. I was with the CBC, and I had... Um, done a story at the CBC that they didn't like, and so they didn't <laughs> renew my contract. <laughs> and so uh, Jack Wasserman picked up the story that I'd been let go, and Hal Davis picked it up and called me and said, I'd like you to come and see me, and we can talk about possibly being on the air, because we're looking for women. 1971. So, How many women were there when you started working at CKW? Nobody, just me. Yeah. You were the first. Well, I don't know about the newsroom. I think there were women in the newsroom at that point, but I was the first to be a producer. Well, on the newsroom side of it, also one of the first women who were there was uh, Doriana Temela, who joins us now. Hi, Doriana. Hello, Simi. What year did you start at CKW? I started 1978, and uh, right out of school. I was 19. I was hired by Warren Barker. I was very lucky. Wow, that would have been 1978. How many women were around at that time in the newsroom of CKNW? A, a, a couple, like Bill and uh, Barb Whiting and uh, Laurie Farquhar. And, but it was a, a woman's voice on air was very rare. 
we're going to talk about that because there's always something about when a woman's voice is in that kind of authoritative position, especially back then. But I also want to say hi to our uh, next guest that we have with us. It's Sean Webster, former CKNW host for 10 years. Hi, Sean. Hello. We missed you this morning, too. Just a little, the Frosty Force show was having a little reunion. A little there. reunion, I know, I know. Yeah, yeah, I was working. Well, <laughs> tough. Yeah. Uh, and they're all retired. Yeah. Uh, when did you start at CKNW? I came uh, to CKNW in 1990. And uh, I had been let go by another station, and uh, I called Doug Rutherford, and he said, "Oh, I wondered when you were going to call me." <laughs> That's nice. Yeah, which was nice. So yeah, and I went, and that was that. So yeah, 1990 to 2004. And you there. did a little of everything, right, when you were there? Well, I had been flying um, in the chopper doing traffic for the morning show and afternoon show at uh, WX 11:30 and and Kiss FM. So I had that flying expertise, and that's why he was looking for me for the mornings for Frosty. So mostly I was the traffic chick, and I will say that because that's what we said back then, and me too can mm-hmm. come in and wipe that all clean. But anyway, um, I, I, I then went on. Well, I did a lot of remotes. I did a lot of sales stuff. I worked with sales a lot, and uh, one of the other places that some of the women that were groundbreaking, I would say, was the sales department. Like Barb Welsh and Sherry Henschel and some of those girls, they they came in and gangbusters. I think Barb was actually the first woman in Canada to do broadcast sales. Really? Yeah. That would have been, of course, Shirley, you were telling us you started in 1971. You're in there as a producer. You're the first woman on that side of the building. What was that like for you? Was it difficult? Did you run up against any problems? Um, I had one woman call and say, um, I don't like women on the air. Are you wearing pants? Really? <laughs> Somebody actually took the time to call it, well, it was 1971, I guess. I said, yes, I'm wearing pants. She said, well, I thought you'd probably be wearing a skirt. You sound like a female. And I thought, what can I do about that? Nothing. So there was, was there pushback? Then? There was a lot of pushback because uh, women were not on the air. Um, and CBC was different because there were a lot of women on the air at CBC at the time. But um, when I came to CKNW, it was something fairly new. Um, and then when I got involved in the talk shows, they it sort of calmed down because I was working with Bannerman and so many of the other talk show hosts. And so they they the fact that they accepted me, the audience in the eventually accepted the female on the right. Body. That must have been hard for you sometimes, though, as well, is to think, I just want to do this. This is, why is this an issue? I didn't care. That's the way to do it, then, no. isn't it? I figured that was my job, and that was what I was going to do, mm-hmm. and if they didn't like it, that was too bad. Now I could hear Doriana chuckling, because it sounds like you probably got some of that as well. Oh, well, if you answered the phone, they assumed you were the receptionist. And I had someone say, I don't want to talk to you, I want to talk to a man. I want to talk to someone who knows something. It was just because I was a woman. Yeah. How do you but respond to that? I said, I work in this newsroom. He said, I want to talk to a man. And so do you hand the phone over? No, I hung up. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Well, you know, you, you can only be nice to a certain point. Sorry, Warren. But <laughs> <laughs> but as a reporter, you were yeah, you're 19 years old. You said you were working in the newsroom. What was the atmosphere like in the newsroom at that well, time? Well, there were so few women. So when we first started, there were things like the, the only washroom outside of broadcasting was a men's because when they built the building, um, there were no women working in the newsroom, I assume, because there was a men's washroom there, and the women's washroom was by reception and clerical staff and where the women would work. 
So we would use the men's washroom in a pinch if you were really stuck and you only had two minutes. And you, and I, I remember people would come, you know, Al Davidson once and opened the door and I said, there's a woman in here, sorry, sorry, sorry. And, you know, it, it was just a different world. Uh, there were pinups in the newsroom at the end above the teletypes, which was kind of different. And like pinups, like... You know, there's kids out there today who wouldn't even know what you were talking about when you said that. So we should explain what a pinup is. like Girls in bikinis. Yeah, posters in the middle of a magazine. They would be like in the newspaper or the magazine. They weren't... Super bad, but it was still bikinis. Bikinis Bikinis. in the workplace. In the workplace where today would I would guess would not be you know considered appropriate. Don't even open that magazine (laughs) at the workplace. Yes, I brought my uh, I brought my centerfold of uh, John Travolta from Saturday Night Fever, and he had the the he had the white suit. He was dressed, but when I put it up, I think they realized, oh, she seems to be offended, and uh, it it was a good way to do it because. At first, they were offended that I was offended because can't you take a joke and you know? Right. But, th- but then they all came down after that. Everybody realized, okay, if that's the way it's going to be, they come down. Interesting that that's the way you chose rather than taking it on directly was to say, if you're going to do this, this is what I'm yeah, going to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it worked. It was is that good. the most effective way? Do you think oh, to do that? Oh, in that, I, you know, they were really good to me in that newsroom. I worked with like, I worked John McKittrick and Ernie Amp and Carl Ways and oh, so many people, John Ashbridge later and. And Warren, of course, right? A great example. And uh, I think it, uh, it, it was just uh, people needed to see times had changed. Right. Shirley, is that, do you think, that the best way for it, when you approached it as well? It's just like, I'm here, I'm doing this, deal with it. Well, and yes, and I had so many hosts that I, um, talk show hosts that I worked with, and basically had to train them to do talk shows. Not the same as reading, mm-hmm. reading a newscast or something, mm-hmm. as, as you well know. Yeah. But to teach them how to do talk shows without getting the CTC on our case. Um, with Rafe Mayer, very, very frequently, <laughs> I was told. <laughs> I, I love the chuckles because that means like you guys all know something that we don't know. What, oh what were you very frequently told? I was told that I had to read his scripts all the time before he went to air and edit them. And he, as you can imagine, did not like that at all. Uh, with Bannerman, I never had to touch his scripts. Um, a lot of his stuff was ad lib, which was kind of scary. But mm-hmm. you know, Ted Smith would say, "Let him go, let him do it." If, what he, if, if he wants to say that, let him say it. We didn't get into any any trouble. There was no lawsuits with him, but there was problems with Rafe and um, the, the fish thing, and oh, on and on. Go and on, on and on and on. on. I know. I was going to say, I just looked at the clock, and I realized we've been gabbing away here and I've got to take a break because we have more stories to tell from the women at CKNW when we come back. This is CKNW 98 News. Oh, I love that. I keep loving all these old intros that we used to use. I have a feeling we have to bring these back. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We're celebrating our 75th anniversary. We are live at the Anvil Center here in New Westminster. We have a great crowd. You can hear the buzz of the crowd and people here. Come on down and visit us. We're at 777 Columbia Street. We will be here all afternoon. The Linda Steele Show will be here, too. So stop by and say hi. A thank you to the people who helped us make this happen. The Mori Auto Group, Penfolds Roofing and Solar, the Anvil Center, the City of New Westminster, and Truffles Fine Foods and Catering. Now, we're going to spend some time talking about what really makes NW run the engine of the station. And I would say that is our newsroom. And what would our newsroom be without my two guests that I have right now, Gord McDonald and Janet Brown? Hello, everybody. Oh, look at that. 
Round of applause for Gordon McDonald and Janet Brown. It was for both. It was for you too, Gord. Yes. It was yes. for you too. Yes, yes. Uh, and Gord, you have a special guest here. Do you want to tell us what's going on here? I have one of my daughters, Emily, who has brought Theo with her. Uh, Theo arrived three, three and a half weeks ago. And that is Gord McDonald's first grandchild. Is that correct? Yes, first grandchild. Well, congratulations, Gord. How did I not know <laughs> Wait, that you okay. just became a grandpa? I didn't do the work. The young lady over there did the work. Congratulations, Emily. <laughs> but I know you... And how did we not know this was happening? This is a big deal. This is well. I'm under strict instructions by my wife not to tell uh, the listener anything about Do you my believe family. That, Janet? No, Gord McDonald likes to fly under the radar. That's, I don't buy that. That's, I don't buy that for a second. That's his motto, and actually, it's mine too. So that that explains that. I've heard so many stories from people today about Gord McDonald. I've had people, Gord, who stopped me to say, "I love how you give a hard time to Gord McDonald in the morning." And I said, "Thank you. I'm going to keep doing that." I, Tom Plasteris, our former boss, was also here and he asked me does Gord still wear those short shorts and I said unfortunately <laughs> no. yes he does no <laughs> no, no, did, no no he did absolutely he did hey uh, if I can just take a moment we've been As talking a lot about uh, all of the on-air people but I just saw a gentleman in the crowd Brian Antonson oh I remember Brian Brian who doesn't look a day over about 25 yeah Brian uh, was a board op but also worked in production I think under Paul Preston so he was one of the guys that cut promos and did that kind of thing. So he made some of the on-air people probably sound a lot better than they did. Then Brian went on over to uh, BCIT, and he ended up running uh, the broadcast program, uh, broadcast journalism, television, and right. radio. And so most of, uh, a vast majority of the people who've come through CKNW over the last 30, 35 years came through BCIT and the program that Brian uh, helped to run, and he he came out of the studios at CKNW. Not one of the people, the the stars, you know, the Frosties and the Norm Gromans and those types, but was one of the people. And Paul behind Essential. the scenes, yeah. oh, absolutely, Essential. that uh, that uh, made a lot of people sound good. How long have you been at NW? Uh, 30 years full-time and then three years part-time before that. Wow, Janet, how about you? When Ditto, did you? 1989, same as you, Gord. I think you were hired just before I was, but uh, minus four years uh, that I was in Washington State because of my husband's job, but I was hired in 1989, left in 97, came back in 2001, and rejoined the newsroom then. So yeah, about the same time, Gord. I remember, speaking of Gord being a grandfather, I remember bring when it, Gord... Bring it, Janet, bring it. I remember when Gord first became a father. His first child <laughs> was born, and <laughs> you guys are dating yourself. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Um, now, I took over, uh, I got here, uh, was at NW for a few years, and then uh, uh, Warren Barker, the yes. longtime news director, Legendary. decided to retire. John McComb, Chris Olson, and I were up for the job. Oh, Chris Olson, of course. I yeah. got Barker's job, after which Olson and McComb both said it was the best thing that ever happened to them, because <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have to deal with the, with the, the headaches. The headaches that you had to deal with? But... When you're a news director uh, at a 24-7 news operation and radio, television, the same, you're not there all the time. And sometimes things happen that you don't know about. And oh. as a matter of fact, Tell us story, sometimes Gord. things happen that you don't find out about until, say, the 75th anniversary of the radio station. What is it? So what a certain uh, reporter in that day, she was anchoring on the network, Janet Brown... Uh, Janet Larmer at the time from Mercury, before she was married. Uh, she maybe will uh, 
What is the story, Jenna? What did you do? Uh, well, you know, to start things off, I was afraid to tell Gord at the time because really I thought he would fire me. That, Poor McDonald. That's how afraid Shame I was. Shame on you. Janet Brown is no. not afraid of anybody. <laughs> not now. Not now. 30 years in, no, okay. I'm not afraid of anybody. Back then, I was afraid. I was in my 20s. Okay, so let's back it up. We were in New Westminster in the old Safeway building up the hill at 6 in McBride. And... Um, the CKNW newsroom was in the old meat department. That was just a sidetrack. That's just a bit of trivia for you. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, it was one level building and there was there were lots of windows there, obviously. And it wasn't uncommon for people to bang on the window at all hours of the day and night. They just wanted to chat with us. They were in the neighborhood, you know, they were getting gas CKNW, or whatever. Yeah. Come over and say hello to their favorite people, you know. No big deal. We'd swing open the door and have a chat with them. No security back in those days, right? <laughs> so one night it's 10 to 10 and, you know, it's dark out knock on the window, you know, which isn't unusual. I, I'm just, you know, up to my eyeballs in news, trying to get ready for the newscast at 10 o'clock, throw open the door, and I scream, what? You know, really obnoxiously, what? And there's a gentleman standing there, and there's a taxi behind him. I don't think anything of it. He's dressed nicely. I said, what do you want? And he goes, well, I, I'm looking for Dan Russell. And Dan Russell was uh, oh, I, doing I, a sports talk show ten, on our I'm sister already, station. I'm already getting a sense midnight. of this. And ten this to midnight. Except it was downtown, right? Okay. So, yes, it was. He was in the wrong location. He was in the wrong location. Our talk show studios were down on the old expo property. Right. Positive Nations. So he's come to the wrong place and he's a long ways away. So I said to him, no, Dan Russell isn't here. He's down at the expo studios and, you know, you're a long ways away. And, you know, oh, and, and I'm really frazzled so because I know I have to go So you were your usual charming there. self is what you were saying. Per usual. Yeah. Okay. And I said, but then I, you know, settled down. I go, look, can I get Dan a message? Because in those days we didn't have cell phones. Right. Right? No cell phones, no nothing. Right. So I said, can I get Dan a message? He goes... Yes, you can. Now you got to wait for it, Simi. Everybody listening to this? So I say, what is the message? And he says, please tell Dan Russell that Bobby Orr was here. <laughs> I'm you like, snapped at oh, Bobby Orr. Oh, hi. How are you? You snapped at Bobby oh. Orr. Not only that, I sent him, you know, packing. You packing. Said, see ya. See Bye. you later, pal. Like, I'm not interested in you. Did well, you tell Dan Russell the story? Of course, right? Because this say? is the key guest for the night. Oh, and my I'm gosh. like, oh, gee, Bobby Orr. And I was just yelling at him in the CKNW parking lot. You didn't, and you know what? And Gordon McDonald, you would have said, didn't you get him in and have an interview and chat with him? Bobby Orr put that on the newscast? No, no, she sent him packing because it was like, no. You know? Uh, yeah, that's Bobby hilarious. Orr. Can you believe that? And I just told Dan Russell that story two years ago because I was afraid <laughs> to so tell him. And he had never heard that before. And he's writing a book, he tells me, and he's going to put you know, the story in his book. Meanwhile, so Bobby Orr has for years Bobby been telling Orr. the story about how he went to go be interviewed at CKNW and never and made it. And this woman just... Because some lady told him to get lost. Screamed I, at him and slammed the door. When I was a yeah. kid playing hockey, I was a defenseman. Yep. And Bobby Orr was one of my favorite defensemen. And I used to say... You know, I tell my feet, because Bobby York could skate beautifully, and he could skate backwards. He was, he was J.C. Tremblay and Bobby Orr were maybe two of the best ever backwards skaters before Paul Coffey. And I used to say as a kid, you know, I'm a defenseman. I tell my feet to do what Bobby Orr's feet do when he starts pivoting, skating backwards, cutting one way or the other, which is a skill you got to learn in hockey. And... I tell him to do the same thing, but the message, you know, going down through my knee, th my knees, the message doesn't oh, get through. Poor guard. Poor so guard. I would have been, I would have been, 
Starstruck. Uh, yeah. Starstruck. Oh, starstruck. If he opened the door and seen Bob, you were there. Uh-huh. Uh, well, that's just one great story. Uh, We've foot, got more. Foot note to this. Yes. Janet Brown eventually fell in love and married a guy, one of the greatest hockey executives oh, here in we Canadian go. Here history. We go, right? Her we husband. And uh, Gord. But wait I for I feel it. like I'm at a family dinner. Such great memories like that one right there, Gord. Do you remember that? I'm trying to, I think... Uh, Did we go? We went to the Great Cup. But Did we I win think, that one? I think that's the one where Lupa Saglia kicked a field goal to win it, uh, the Great Cup, the next week or two weeks later, uh, if I remember correctly. Were we playing Baltimore correctly. or, or the American teams? Tom Larshide. Was there anybody with the yeah. Canucks or Lions with more enthusiasm no. than, yeah. than Tom? He's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gord, when you look back, and I asked Janet this question too, and she knows which one she wants to talk about, but what were some of the big stories that you remember that's really stuck in your mind over the years? 9-11. Uh, I was yeah. in my office, and Tom Mark was reading the morning news at the time, and he wanders down to my office and said, Gord, maybe you should take a look at this. A plane has crashed into a building in New York City. And at the time, we thought it was a light aircraft. And then uh, Frosty was on the air. We had a brand-new general manager, um, Chris Pandoff, who had uh, came, came in um, a few minutes later. Um, because what people f- don't remember about uh, 9-11 was that there was tremendous commu- confusion for the first few hours. They didn't know how many right. planes hit. They didn't know that they were jets. They didn't know that they had been, uh, they had been commandeered. Uh, and the attacks came uh, at different times, and it, w- it took a number of hours to put the pieces of the puzzle together. Frosty fairly quickly turned uh, the airwaves over, uh, and I think Philip came in early, Philip Till. Um, and the next few hours, of course, were, were just trying to put the different pieces together. And then, of course, they, the planes all got shut down from U.S. airports, and we had all the planes that landed at Summit YVR, mm-hmm. landed at what, Gander in Newfoundland, and all of that kind of thing. Yeah, huge. It, it changed the world. We didn't know that at the time, and we didn't know what had happened in that few hours that morning. Um, but I, uh, I, I was... As I say, uh, uh, Tom came down, and then and then it started, yeah. and it was pretty amazing. One of the things that uh, NW got pretty good at was that when major events happened, uh, stopping regular programming and moving what we call wall to wall. And that we have another good example of that as well, which is Janet, the one that you wanted to talk about. What sticks in your mind is the uh, 2011 <laughs> Stanley Cup riot. Actually, we have got to play that tape. We do. You've We're going to play that tape right now. Uh, Dan, you wouldn't believe what's going on. I'm in the old parking lot of the Greyhound bus station right behind the Queen Elizabeth Theater. The crowds of people are destroying two police cars. They're on the roof of the police car, kicking out the lights, kicking out the back window, kicking out the side window, throwing objects, and people are standing and cheering and clapping. I just don't get this. People in suits are even standing and clapping. They're tipping over. They're tipping over one of the police cars, and they're cheering. Listen to the crowd. They're cheering. They tipped over one of the police cars right onto the next one right beside it. I just can't believe this mob mentality. Why would people be happy about doing something like this? Well, that's stuck in your head, too. What was that night like? You know, it's our job to report the news as reporters, but that night... I, I realized, you know, it's my job first and foremost to stay safe. Yeah. To stay safe. Because if I'm not safe, I can't report the news. And, you know, I'm not an athletic person. <laughs> I must have run 25 miles that night to stay in front of the mobs and in, in front of the riot police. And 
by the end of the night, you know, you, you sort of look back and realize what happened. And I remember after it was all over, walking beside our building on Georgia and Howe there, and walking through the shards of glass that had broken from the Eaton store and seeing items on the sidewalk. I remember picking up a pair of ladies' leather gloves with the price tag still on and holding them and, and realizing, wow, I can't believe what just happened tonight. Yeah. And then putting them down thinking maybe the police are going to arrest me thinking I'm a looter. But I, I remember being in that parking lot and somebody lighting a rag, opening you know, where the gas goes into the police car and putting the lit rag inside. And I thought, I, I was five feet from that and I thought, and so was so were a lot of people. Yeah. And I thought, does nobody realize that this car is going to blow any minute? And I remember the riot police moving down Georgia Street. Everybody's packed into this parking lot. And the police car is ready to blow. And I saw there was one exit. One exit. And it was a very narrow gate. And I thought, i got to get out of here before this place goes crazy. Otherwise, I'm going to be in serious trouble. I could get hurt or yeah. worse. And I remember running through the crowd of people to try and get out of that parking lot. And within minutes, the riot police, they were there. The people were trying to run away from the riot police. The yeah. police car was exploding. Others were in flames. That was an impactful night. And I remember my, my father and my brother kept phoning me every tw 20 minutes and saying, we're coming to get you. Where are you? And I said, no, I'm busy. I'm working. Bang. And, you know, another 20 minutes, the other one would call. And I told them, I said, I have a job to do. Yeah. I have a job to do. You have to leave me alone. And I realized then and there, I did have a job to do. It was important to tell the story of what was happening that night. And as, a, as I say, as a reporter, it was important to be safe, but it was also important to tell the story of what was unfolding. And that's the key to the CKNW Newsroom, right, Gordon? Well, I, it struck me listening to Janet, because Terry and I were talking about that this morning, the power of the human voice with descriptive uh, descriptive, Absolutely. Uh, descriptive human voice without pictures, without uh, smells, uh, just, just Janet and her voice, and she conveyed things I thought very well. It's the power of radio, and Janet's one of a number of people over the years uh, on the, uh, in the reporting staff who've done a very good job of taking us to the scene. All of those places. Gord McDonald, thank you. You're welcome. Janet Brown, thank you. You're welcome. Could I just say one thing about Gord? It is a is it pleasure nice? and honor to work <laughs> with him. He is the best writer in the radio biz I've ever Gord? worked with. He's blushing. He he's is. He's, he is, he's blushing. He is wonderful. He takes well, our reporting and makes it great. He does. And he gets up, you know, what he's is... He's so self-deprecating. He's I'm in so at glad two in the morning that. in I the know. newsroom. He's our hero. Gord McDonald, we love you. He is a thank hero. You. Uh, welcome back. We're at the Anvil Center here uh, for our 75th anniversary for CKNW. That music that we just played, though, very familiar to my next guest because he was nodding along to it with a little memory of that. That, of course, was the beginning of the Bill Good Show. I, I, th good. I thought I was going to have to go back to work. <laughs> and you know what? You've got a crowd here, people who would probably love to see you go back to work, people giving you the thumbs up. Thanks <laughs> for coming down. Well, it's a pleasure. It's great to be here. Well, it's nice to have you, too. Do you, do you miss it when you hear that music? Do you think I'm ready to do this? No. No. <laughs> I, I, people ask me, and I say, you know, I'm as busy as I want to be. I'm having a great time. I had a fabulous 26 years here, and uh, it's great to see all the people that I worked with. But I'm, uh, I'm very happy on the Sunshine Coast, and the work I do, I can do anywhere in the world on Wi-Fi. Well, let's talk about your 26 years at CKNW. You made the move from TV you were a, a TV news anchor. You were anchoring the 6 o'clock news on CBC. And then you decided to move to CKNW, to radio. Yep. Why? What was that like? Well, um, I'd always 
loved radio. I grew up listening to CKNW. I um, admired Jack Webster tremendously. He was a good friend of my father's, became a good friend of mine in later years, and um, was very encouraging uh, when I made the transition. And um, it, it just seemed the right fit. Uh, CBC, <laughs> this sounds crazy today, was enduring a number of cuts in the region, uh, and it just seemed like it was going to be going nowhere but down locally. And it seemed a great opportunity. And I just um, jumped. Oh, I didn't say I jumped at it. I negotiated pretty hard, actually. <laughs> but it, uh, Ron Bremner, who was the GM at the time, called me out of the blue and said, have you ever thought of doing talk radio? And I said, well... I've always loved talk radio. I think I did 10 years of sports. I did 10 years of anchoring news. I loved live broadcasting. Um, I liked working without scripts. Um, so it was just the right thing at the right time. You told me the other day when we were talking that you had heard that you had probably done in the neighborhood of 40,000 interviews. Yes. Uh, I haven't fact-checked that. No, we did that. We actually tried it. We added it up, and we thought that sounded pretty right. That, yeah, that comes pretty Jessica, close. Jessica, my fabulous producer when I left, uh, made that calculation, so she was never wrong before, so why would I doubt her then? <laughs> well, 40,000, that is a huge number. What stands out for you in that? Well, you know, in general terms, the, the wide variety of people, uh, mm-hmm. from, you know, from homeless people to hookers to nurses to politicians, general, uh, premiers, prime ministers, uh, entertainers, just the gamut of, uh, of people. Uh, you asked me one time, I think, uh, if, if I had some favorites. Yes. And uh, it's, it's hard to pick favorites. But Bill, you I, told me Celine Dion. Come on, be honest. No. You, can I, t- you said I, I Celine no, Dion no, is one of your I, favorites. I, I, she was a highlight for sure, yes. especially looking back on it, because at the time she was a young Quebec star, starting to make a mark across Canada, but hadn't yet become the world you know, star right. that she became, the universal star. So she was certainly one. One of the most impressive, and it was because he was so smart and so nice at the same time, was Peter Ustinov. And oh, um, right. he was just great actor. Yeah, and it's it, you know from when you do live radio, if you have a a commercial break or a, a, a commercial island, and you have a newscast, you get to talk to people, mm-hmm. and they're usually pretty straight on who they are. And he was just among the most delightful people that I'd ever met. Uh, self-educated, but big, big brain. So yeah, he'd he'd certainly be so be cool. up there. Do you remember your first show? Do you I, uh, yeah, I remember Grace McCarthy. Grace McCarthy was on your first was show? On, uh, I think Daryl Plekis was on it. The it was now Bob Plekis. Bob Plekis. Was it Bob Plekis? Bring back memories for you. How many 20? government disputes did you cover over oh the God, years? God, I've never counted them. <laughs> uh, but it, <laughs> times never change, do they? No, they it, don't. Uh, I mean, the faces do, the people do, and occasionally the government does. But even then, it doesn't change all that much. Uh, Bob Plekis, fabulous guy. Really bright, bright, bright guy. Um, was yeah. there any politician that ever said no to you? Christy Clark. <laughs> Ironic. <laughs> yeah, I just had I hadn't thought about that. Uh, only the last couple of years, um, but yeah, she she said no. Uh, she was mad at all of us. She was mad at NW, I think, because we she felt that we were harder on her than right than because she, she felt it was family. Like she had worked there, and she thought yeah, but she should have known better. You know, well, I mean, seriously, and Christy, like you're probably listening today. She's coming on later on the Linda yeah. Steele show. She's okay, going to be on good. with Linda Steele. Well, yeah. Oh, really? Because I'm on with Linda as well. Oh, guess what? Well, yeah, well, not... Well, maybe I you have finally have the chance to ask her a well, few you questions. Know, no, I, I, I loved working with Christy. She was great fun, good sport, great sense of humor. Yeah. But I think I told you before she was mad at me because I told a listener one day that I didn't know if she'd make a good premiere. 
<laughs> and when she confronted me with that, I said, well, that's true. I don't. How would I know? You haven't done the job yet. And it's not a job that, you know, you just walk into and, and you're good at it. It's, it's, it's a really, really, it's a, it's a lot more challenging than doing a talk show. I think she found that out fairly quickly. But, no, I really enjoyed her. I, we, we pe- but people think we were great buddies because we were in the same station and right. we shared an office. Well, we shared an office for about 10 minutes a day. But how was it was competitive too, right? Back on CKNW on the day, competitive to to make sure you got a guest and to make sure nobody else got that guest. That must have been uh, some very difficult times too. Oh, only with Rafe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> There's not, a book there. Not, not, yeah, not with uh, you know, not generally. I mean, we were all working for the same radio station. Yes, we competed for guests. I mean, yeah. he wanted the prime minister. I wanted the prime minister. He wanted the premier. I wanted the premier. Generally speaking, we both got them, so yeah. it wasn't you know it wasn't a, like a death scrap or anything. But back when those politicians knew that they had to go on these shows, yes, right, yeah, it was a time, and there was a bit of an evolution. There was a time when radio was king, the talk shows on NW were certainly king, but then the television started doing a lot more talk, um, and then you got the cable news network that did a lot of talk, and you got a lot of young producers or along agents. Uh, people representing authors and uh, and visiting entertainers who couldn't get their head around the fact that a radio station had a much bigger audience than the television station did <laughs> in the market. So yeah. that, that became a bit of an annoyance at times. Uh, the smart people figured out a way to do both because they knew that were, they were both really important. How did you know? Like, did you get a sense when you were on NW about how big your show was? Like, how many people listened to your show? Well, an example I think I mentioned when we talked a few weeks ago, Joe Clark was on my show one day and I bumped into him fairly shortly after and he says does everyone in BC listen to you I said I'd like to think so he said well I was just in Park Royal and everybody kept coming up to me and saying I just heard you on Bill Good so yeah I mean you had a sense and you got I mean there were times when you know wherever you went because I did radio and television yeah I had a little bit more notoriety I guess people knew who I was like Mm -hmm. Frosty used to say radio it's the uh, theater of the mind and nobody knows he wouldn't go on TV wouldn't get his picture taken I didn't have that luxury. I was on TV, so everybody knew who I was, whether they liked it or not. And so, you know, people would come up to me all the time, and still do, to talk about what I've done. It's different now, though, right? Like with social media, we talked about this as well. It was social media. Uh, Back then, you had, like, no shortage of callers and talking about them. But if people were angry at you because of something you said, how did you know? Did they write you a letter? Because that would have taken a while for it to get to you. Letters, and then email, and then toward the end, Twitter. Um, it hasn't been that long. Uh, it's certainly the tone changed. And yeah. With Twitter, it's, it's toxic times. Uh, it, the letter writers were always thoughtful. And, and I had, like, s- drawers full of letters going back to when I was first at CBC in 1967. And uh, I'd get a ton of mail. And then it, it eventually evolved into email and then Twitter. And, but the, 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 the mail was nearly always, I'd say 98%, really friendly and thoughtful. Email became less so. Twitter became, you know, stupid in terms of being people <laughs> so just true. making stuff up. That's so true. And, and assuming so much of what you thought or what you did that was just nonsense. Um, yeah, so it's, 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 it's changed, but it's still, you know, I'm on Twitter a lot. I, I don't, you are. I try not to engage in some of the stupid stuff, but I find it interesting. And I, I get a lot of information off Twitter because people put up stuff from the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times or Bloomberg yeah. or the BBC. And so I see a lot of information, good, solid, but it's interesting. The best is always still mainstream media, stuff that's, that's being put up on social media. Um, so are I you hanging around for the afternoon? 
Yes. You're going to be on Linda's show too, right? Yes. Well, From 3 till 3.30. 3 till 3.30. 3 till 3.30. Um, Bill, thank you for being here for 75th anniversary. It, it wouldn't be an anniversary without you. Oh, it's a pleasure. And thank you. And thank all the people here and all the people listening. I know. Great crowd. A, a wonderful have. life. Well, one of the great things we've been doing this week to celebrate our 75th anniversary is we've been running a top dog contest because that, of course, is our nickname. We are the top dog. Our producer, Claire Allen, has been busy doing this. Hi, Claire. Hey, Simi. How are you doing this? Oh, it's my favorite part of my day. (laughs) (laughs) So we've been asking people to submit pictures of their dog because we are affectionately known as the top dog. And so we have had a uh, email address set up and people have been sending me pictures of their dog, Simi, and I couldn't be happier. You really spent a lot of time looking at these. Most of my work day, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What kind of variety of pictures did we get? got chihuahuas, got some great Danes, lots of Labradors. As we know, they're a very popular yes, breed. I have one. But the one that caught my eye and the story that was attached to it, it just was amazing. And our winner of our top dog competition is a dog named Maggie. <gasps> I loved Maggie's yes, picture. She is an uh, English sheep dog. Yes. And she is just a beautiful dog. And so Maggie's owner, Carol, is joining us on the phone right now. Carol Wild, she is Maggie's mom or Maggie's owner. Hi, Carol. Hi, Simi. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. Hey, congratulations. Maggie's our top dog. Yes, thank you very much. We were so excited to hear that. Well, you know what? I love your picture, Maggie. Tell us about Maggie. Why is she so special? Oh, she just meets everybody everywhere she goes. We take her on trips with us uh, when we go anywhere in Canada or across the States. And everywhere she goes, she brings a smile to everybody's face. Everybody she brought a smile to her. our face. How old is she? She's four years old. Uh, we waited for a couple of years to get an old English sheepdog. We were actually waiting for one from Mary Lee Rush, uh, the singer of Angel of the Morning. I'm sure you know her. Yeah, um, yes. That didn't happen. She didn't have any pups born, so we contacted Tasha Hills in Ontario, and they had one pup left and flew her out to us in March of 2015. She was well, nine congratulations. weeks old. <laughs> congratulations, Carol, that Maggie is our top dog. Oh, and thank Carol, you very much. I would like <laughs> The reason, one of the reasons why I selected Maggie is because when I called Carol to follow up on how wonderful Maggie is, her voicemail said that you have reached Carol, her husband, and Maggie. So I could leave a message for the dog. So I was pretty pumped on that, and it just solidified my choice. But Carol, Maggie is really beautiful, and I really enjoyed learning all about her. Thank you so much, Carol. Thank you. Congrats. Are you going to tweet out the picture? Are you, where are you going to yeah, put Maggie's picture? Yeah, I'll tweet it out again. But yeah, definitely. You just check on CKNW's Twitter feed, and there will be Maggie featured in all her glory as CKNW's Top Dog. Official Top Dog. Claire, thank you Thanks, for Simi. that. Oh, I love that. Go to at CKNW to see that.